A Jewish father was concerned for his son. He went to his Jewish friend and he told him, my son has become a Christian and asked what he should do. His Jewish friend replied, funny you should come to me with this problem. My son too has become a Christian. Let's go to the rabbi and ask him what we should do. They went to the rabbi and they said, rabbi, both of our sons have become Christians. What should we do? The rabbi replies, funny you should come to me with this problem. My son too has become a Christian. We must take this problem to almighty God and ask him what we shall do. They all raised their voices to heaven and prayed, Almighty God, our sons have gone and become Christians. What should we do? God replies, Funny you should come to me with this problem. My son too has gone off and become a Christian. I choose to tell this joke because, well, it's a, it's a little bit funny. You know, it, it might make you laugh or groan or roll your eyes a bit, but it also takes a dig at the relationship between the Jewish faith and the Christian faith. Jews and Christians are fundamentally connected. Jesus was Jewish, and Jesus is the promised Messiah prophesied by the Jewish prophets for centuries. And yet, many of the Jewish people of Jesus and Paul's time didn't see or understand what Jesus was all about. They didn't recognize that Jesus was the Messiah or the Christ, the chosen one of their very own prophecies, so much so that they argued for his crucifixion. In our Roman series so far, we've avoided the few times where Paul addresses the Jewish people. He, he does so on an, in a number of occasions in the first eight chapters. But now we are up to chapters 9 to 11. The, the scholarly name for these three chapters is the middle bit. In chapters 1 to 8, Paul lays out his basic set of beliefs about God, the gospel, Jesus, hope and love. And in chapters 12 and onwards, he talks about the practical changes that happen in individuals and communities that live according to the beliefs that he explained in chapters 1 to 8. But these chapters, 9 to 11, they're the middle bit. In these middle chapters, Paul takes some time to address the issue of the Jews. They have been cut off from Christ. They don't share his blessing. Look at what he says in verse 3. If there's any way I could be cursed by the Messiah so that they could be blessed by him, I'd do it in a minute. They're my family. I grew up with them. They are the Israelites, he says in verse 4. They, they had everything going for them. Family, glory, covenants, revelation, worship, promises to say nothing of being the race that produced the Messiah, the Christ who is God over everything always. Talk to many people, many families, where one member of the family is desperately sad because their spouse or their children or their parents or whoever are no longer a part of the church. Seems like they are now cut off from God's blessing, despite the fact that they grew up in the church. Had all the lessons, all the revelations, signed all the sorts of promises, engaged in all the worship, but they've left. Perhaps that's you. And as you watch this stream, perhaps you're in a deep sense of sadness has welled up in you because you've heard of Paul's sorrow for his extended family. I encourage you to take a moment to pray. Pray about your family and to know that you are certainly not alone in your sadness in this. Paul launches then into a bit of a history of the Israelite people to show how God has interacted with them, sometimes in very unexpected ways. And he comes to the concluding passage that was read for us earlier. And all those people who didn't seem interested in what God was doing actually embraced what God was doing and he straightened out their lives. And Israel who seemed so interested in reading and talking about what God was doing, missed it entirely. How could they miss it? The answer in the case of the Jews, and I suspect for many of us, is that they fell into a trap. How could they miss it? Because instead of trusting God, they took over. 
They were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. They were absorbed in their God projects that they didn't notice God right in front of them, like a huge rock in the middle of the road. And so they stumbled into him and went sprawling. If any church or denomination could be said to be at risk of becoming absorbed in God projects, it's our Salvation Army. We pride ourselves on being Christianity with its sleeves rolled up, and that's a good thing, except if our absorption in God projects causes us to be blind to God himself. There are two things that I think we, as a Salvation Army, need to be very wary of, very careful about. Number one, is God still calling us that way? You know, when God calls us to do something, we get pretty passionate about it, right? We, we throw money at it, we invest time, we invest energy, we build a service, an organization or business or something or else, whatever, to meet the need we feel like God is calling us to meet. Problem with this is that when God calls us to move differently or in a different direction, we already have a huge amount invested in the way we used to want to do things. But, but, but some people say, well, why would God call us to do things differently? God is the same, right? Yesterday, today, and forever. Why would God change his mind? The answer is he doesn't. But we do. The world does. See, a century or so ago, God called the Salvation Army to work with men and women caught up in drug and alcohol addiction. In Australia, and particularly in our part of the world here in New South Wales and Queensland, God called us to set up residential centres where men and women could come and spend 10 months living in and working out their recovery before returning to their homes and families. It was highly effective, and we invested millions in this service. But people change. Society has changed. And God is calling us to change the way we operate our recovery services. I don't know exactly how this is happening right now in Australia, but in New Zealand, Canada, and parts of the USA, moving to a more holistic model that doesn't necessarily include a 10-month residential stay because people can't always do that. So instead... We've begun to work with the person and their family while they live at home. Interestingly, this is the model that our first floor program here in Wollongong has been working with successfully for over a decade. God calls us to serve the addicted. That hasn't changed. But the way in which we are called to meet that need changes dramatically. Are we listening? God called the Salvation Army to conduct evangelistic, energetic and joyful worship services so that the average person on the street would be welcomed and could join in. But the way we do that is changing dramatically. Are we listening? God called the Salvation Army to provide, to provide welfare, food, and financial support to the most vulnerable in our society. But the way we do that is changing dramatically. Are we listening? I know it's hard to let go of the things that we have invested in, that we've built expertise in, and so on. But we must, because we serve God, not us. That's the first thing we need to be conscious of. Because before we worry about how we do something, we always need to remember who we do it for. And that's the question, isn't it? Is it about God or us? Let's go back to the Israelites. God proved, uh, God loved and adopt, adopted them as his chosen people. Then he gave them 10 commandments to bless them, showing them how to live well. And it worked. But over the centuries, they began to focus more and more on obeying those commandments and adding more and more laws and clauses to them until they became so absorbed and passionate in their rule-following God projects that they began to believe that it was these rule-following projects that saved them, that made them God's people. They began to believe that rule-following was what defined them. They were God's rule-followers. But Paul says, I readily admit that the Jews are impressively energetic regarding God. <laughs> 
but they're doing everything exactly backwards. They don't seem to realize that this comprehensive setting things right that is salvation is God's business. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God soon discovers that it's not so easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print. Trusting God, says Paul, to shape the right living in us is, is a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. No dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. Simply, he says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So if your salvation is purely related to what you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, then nothing you do is relevant to your salvation. Nothing. No singing. No giving, no playing, no serving, no cooking, no volunteering, no, no uniform wearing. Nothing is relevant to your salvation. The question I have for every Christian, every salvationist involved in any sort of work for God, any God project, the question is, why do you do what you do for God? Is there any sense in which you are doing what you are doing to try and earn the favor of God? Is there any part of you that feels like you have to give, you have to serve, you have to work to earn something from God? If so, stop. Don't do it anymore. Instead, I encourage you to spend some time each morning and each evening. Read Romans 10, 9 and 10. Do what it says and let it slowly soak into, you, into your soul. Because the truth is, if you don't know the love of God completely and totally when you're doing nothing, then you'll never know the love of God when you're doing everything. Can you, would you, could you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And do you believe in your heart, in your very soul that he rose from the dead? I pray that you can and that you do. God bless you.